0: Well, the rest of you, obviously, you're not a child, so that means you're here with me. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity where we can meet with you. We thank you that we can set the attitude of our heart. And so we've already taken time to worship you. And right now, we're going to honor you through the opening of the word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you take hold with us, that you reveal to us your thoughts and your intentions and lead us where you would have us to go. And we just say thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how's everybody doing? And good to see you all here this morning. Man, I just had a great time in worship. And I think we're just going to continue on in the theme of the Holy Spirit. Big surprise there. Oh, we're not done yet? No, we're not done yet. There's still lots more. And we've just finished seven weeks of talking about the gifts of the Spirit and just breaking them down, bringing some definition to them, bringing some application of how the Bible, they were used in the Bible because we, we have the same balance, right? Do things that are outside of the Word? And so we look in the Word and how they were applied there and that's how He wants to apply them through you oh, come on, we got some places to go this morning. You better catch up now. How they were done in the Bible is how they're going to happen through you as well. He's not going to all of a sudden give you this new experience and say, oh, that's all passed away. No, Jesus said that the works that he did, that greater works than these shall you do. If you're going to do greater, you got to start somewhere. You might as well start with what Jesus did, right? We should lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We should see blind eyes open. We should see the lame walk. We should see miracles of provision as he just blessed the bread and he broke it. We should be able to see these things of 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 the everyday believer because you are no different than the early believers. You are bought with the blood of Jesus. You've been filled with the same Holy Spirit. And we have to remember that Jesus did no works until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But when he got the Holy Spirit, what happened? Things began to happen. He turns the water into wine, He begins to be preach and teach throughout all the cities, and wherever he went, they were all healed. Man, all, I love that. It says that everybody in the city was healed. <laughs> Now, there were some situations where the attitude of people's hearts stopped them from receiving. One of them being in his own town, and he could do no mighty work there except to heal a few sick folk. A few. And so the the attitude of the heart... And the way that they looked on him saying, well, who do you think you are? You're just that son of Joseph. We grew up with you. We know you. What do you think you're going to do trying to teach us? And you will run into people who will look at you with disdain. That's okay. Keep going. Go to the next city and preach the gospel there. Man. We are entering into a season in the body of Christ as as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus. I believe that there's going to be an outpouring more and more of the gifts of the Spirit in the day that we're living in. Oh, come on. That's not just Pastor Jordan saying that. We have had men and women, fathers in the faith, saying this for the last 2,000 years, prophesying of the times that we're stepping into. And it always surprises me, some of the people who looked ahead and saw certain things. And uh, just a few weeks ago, I was reading up on Billy Graham. And this is something that Billy Graham said. He said, I believe we will see a dramatic recurrence of signs and wonders that will demonstrate the power of God to the world. He said just as the powers of Satan are being released with greater intensity so I believe God will allow signs and wonders to be performed. And when you think about it, Billy Graham is not one that is known for the moving of the gifts of the Spirit. He was he didn't even wasn't even sure that the filling of the Holy Spirit was up for us to today. But when he looked back on his life, he's like he saw the goodness of God and what had been done and the people other people that he knew and he just said God I believe there's a time coming where it's just going to explode. When you can get a traditional person like Billy Graham looking ahead and seeing these things. You know, I was reading another story with him. He was preaching at Evangel University, and he had prepared a message, and he got up to speak, and he got about halfway through it, and, and he just stopped, and he said, you know, I, I have more to my message, but I just feel that I'm to stop where I am right now. And so he went and he sat down in the front row of the seats and as he sat down someone up in the balcony began to speak out in other tongues something that Billy Graham said I'm not sure that's for us today. And so this man began to speak out in other tongues and as he finished he sat down and another stood up and interpreted the tongue that he had just given. And then Billy got back he stood there he said I I only preached half my message but as I sat down the Lord preached the rest of it. This is my next point and this is my next point. It all came out. Using Gilead, I wasn't even sure we're for today. It doesn't matter what you've believed in the past. If you have a heart open to the Holy Spirit, He will use spite of your beliefs. There is a season coming up where we need to prepare our hearts, which is why we're doing these messages and we're reminding ourselves of of the goodness of God. I like something that Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, Dear Believers, Listen. The world is not waiting for a new definition of the gospel, but for a new demonstration of the power of the gospel. <laughs> Hallelujah. They don't, they don't just want to hear the words. They want to see the power of God in demonstration for themselves. Smith Wigglesworth, back in 1947, at the, right at the end of his life, right before he went home to be with Jesus, he prophesied this. He said, during the next few decades, there will be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the church in Great Britain, which is where he was focused. He said, the first move will affect every church that is open to receive it and will be characterized by the restoration of the baptism and the gifts of the Spirit and he said the second move of the holy spirit will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches and in the duration of each of these moves the people who are involved will say this is a great revival but the lord knows neither this is this the great revival? But both are steps towards it. When the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the churches of something that has not been seen before, a coming together of those who have with an emphasis of the Word and those with an emphasis on the Spirit. And when the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nations and indeed the world have ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a ri- revival that will eclipse anything that has been witnessed within these shores. Even the Wesleyan and the Welsh revivals of former years, the outpouring of God's Spirit will flow over from the United Kingdom into mainland England, uh, Europe, and from there will begin a missionary move to the ends of the earth." And so men and women of old have looked towards the days that you're standing in and saw great things. If only we could get the body of Christ today to look to their time and see great things. But the tendency is for people to look at all the negative things that are going on and have that be their focus and that become preoccupied with that. You don't put your eyes on the darkness. You put your eyes on the light and let your light shine through. As Jesus said, a city on a hill cannot be hid. You don't hide a light under a bush. You let it shine. And that's what he's looking for the body of Christ day to remember there are great things just around the corner for us why wait go ahead and start living in them now amen Amen. hallelujah and so there's great things ahead but with a desire for the moving of the spirit there is also room for abuse and misuse And so when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, the reason why we teach on them and why we focus on them, is because when I want everyone in this church that when they are seeing things that are not from God, not to bless up in hype, swept up in hysteria, but that you recognize the true moving of the Holy Spirit and not say, oh, that's nice when God is saying, I'm not in that. I like something that Arrhenius of Lyon said 1,800 years ago. He said, error never shows itself in its naked reality in order not to be discovered. On the contrary, it dresses elegantly so that the unwary may be led to believe that it is more truthful than truth itself. And so error doesn't always appear error on the surface, but when we know how to rightfully discern the Word of God and the Spirit of God, you don't get wrapped up in error. And with the moving of the Holy Spirit, when we see gifts begin to flow certain people, we can look throughout church history and we see what's happened to some as God began to use them, they began to exalt themselves and puff themselves up as though they were some great thing. And we need to remember the moving of the Holy Spirit is just natural to the believer. It's not because you've done something special, it's because the grace of God is flowing through you. As we talked about, the gifts of the Spirit are charismatas. They are grace gifts. They are outflows of grace, not because you're special, but because God is moving with you and working with you. And so some tend to lift themselves up, and I like something that Oral Roberts said. He said, we, we tend to take some gift, and because it is so great in our lives, we tend to act like we are superior, and those who don't have it in the way we do are inferior. So we divide and hurt and separate from one another, and obviously the sin, the, a gift of the Spirit is not our uniter, Christ, Him, Himself. And so, in all things, Jesus should be the focus. He should be at the center of every action. He should be at the center of every thought. And when Jesus is exalted, He said, If I be lifted up, I will draw amen unto me. And so, as we move in the gifts of the Spirit, keep a humble heart. We keep a humble heart and say, Thank you, Jesus for choosing to use me today thank you that I could be your hands and your feet and your voice right now in this season I thank you that I have this opportunity before me let you receive all the glory from it and so this morning with those things in mind I want to preach a message on judging a word and I feel that this is something that is severely lacking in the body of Christ today. Not having an understanding of how to hear something that someone says is from God and judge it rightly according to the word. i see this more and more with people saying, well, the God told me to do this. And I've seen this throughout the last 15 years that I've been pastoring where people will say, well, I feel God is telling me to do this. And you're like, no, God did not tell you that. And then you, they get mad, saying, well, how dare you judge how he talks to me? And then you see them, and you know what happened because of it. Right. We need to properly be able to understand how he speaks to us. Yes. And also understand that he's not the only one talking. And so when it's not him talking, we know how to, need to know how to discern that it wasn't him and judge that word properly. When it comes to people getting up using the revelation gifts, words of wisdom and words of knowledge, you should be able to listen on the inside and say, yep, or nope. When people get up and use the vocal gifts, prophecy, uh, tongues and interpretation, you should be able to say, yep, that was from God, or nope, based upon knowing how to judge the word. Oh, come on, I know this isn't as exciting as some of the other rah-rah stuff we could talk about. But I would rather have you balanced and filled with knowledge so that when you see things happen, you can jump in with two feet and say, God, I want what you've got, what you've got going on, or say, I want nothing to do with that. Right. And there's been many, many moves of God that started out with good intentions and good things that were hijacked with people who had different and swept people away with them. I don't want that ever to happen to any of you. And so when we're talking about signs and wonders, the gifts of the Spirit moving, here's something that's important to remember. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, he said, and signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues, and so on and so on into the next verse. But what did he say? He said, signs will follow those who believe. Oh, yeah, that's good. What does that also mean? You don't follow signs. Signs follow you. And we've seen this over the last 20 years. There's been people who have become so wrapped up in seeking. I need to go get before this prophet or I need to go jump into this thing. And they're following after the signs. But signs are meant to follow you. Signs follow those who believe. You don't need to go seek after them you just believe God and his word and signs flow naturally because they follow the believer. It's the same thing with faith. What happens first? Faith or the breakthrough. So we focus on building our faith, strengthening our faith, rather than looking at what we're trying to get to. We focus on what God has said. And so we see just a few verses down from that that Jesus' disciples said they went forth and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. What happened first? They went and preached the word, the Lord worked with them, and he confirmed the word with signs following. And so you don't have to go seeking another place to jump into so you can get another word or get another touch from the Holy Spirit. You just need to foster your relationship with Him, do what He's told you to do, and you'll find yourself in the atmosphere of miracles. We don't have to go looking for another word. I always like to say this, what did He tell you to do last? Keep doing that until He tells you something new. If you haven't properly tended the last word he gave you, why should he be giving you another one? Do what he told you to do. And we have to realize that not everyone has the best intentions. Even Paul himself told the Corinthians, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works." And so Paul told the Corinthians, the same people he was telling to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, he said not everybody has the best of intentions, and you should be able to tell the difference between who it is. And so that's why he told the Thessalonians, don't despise prophecies, test all things. Say it again, test all things, whether it's a word from a prophet whether it's a word from your pastor, whether it's a word that you're feeling the Holy Spirit is speaking to you on the inside. Test all. No one gets a free pass. No one. You know, Robin and I were in a a service a number of years ago, right after we had gotten married, and this prophet was beginning to prophesy to people. And as he started out, it was good. And the words that he were given were like, man, they were really confirming with the inside. The Holy Spirit was saying, yeah, that's good. And about halfway through his prophesying, there was a switch. And it was like, this isn't right. And he should have stopped. And he kept going. And that's why we, what was our wisdom last week when it comes to words? Say what he tells you to say and stop when he says stop. And so this man kept going, and he began to prophesy out of his flesh. And so as he was working his way along, he came over, and he, he, we were in the second row, and he, he said to Robin, and I'm sitting right beside Robin. It was probably a few months after we're married. And he says to her, says, you have a big decision coming up in front of you. And you really, really, really need to make sure that you don't make the wrong decision. And I sat there, and she as he said that there was immediately like this fear that tried to grip over. Him. And so as soon as he walked in, what decision would you be making that I wouldn't be involved in? We're married. We talk about things and we make decisions together. And he also said that if you make the wrong decision, oh, it's really going to mess up your life. Really? That's not the God I serve who knows how to fix my bad decisions, who knows how to sort out the problems that I've created. And as other people celebrated that word, we were able to accurately discern in our hearts, that's not from God. He should have stopped. So we test all things for who says it. I don't need to build my own kingdom. We're here to build the kingdom of God. And that's why Paul told the Corinthians, he says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. And so this message applies to whether someone says it to you or whether it's something you feel on the inside. Because guess what? You have desires too that don't always line up with the Holy Spirit's will for you. There's many times that I've had things pop up where I was like, oh, yeah, I feel like I want to do this. And then looking back, it was like, no, that's because I wanted this to happen. So I was trying to make this work this way, yada, yada, yada. Let you, I want you guys to learn from my mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so when we're judging a word, whether it's a word that comes from someone else or something you're feeling on the inside, number one question that should always be asked at the top of your list is, does it line up with the written word of God? Because it, he will not violate the word he inspired to instruct you. He will not violate his- then what was the point of the word if he was just going to transgress it and go by and tell you things that, don't, that will conflict with it? No, no. The word of God is, is, is always there. It doesn't change because it is the personification of Jesus. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Everything he did lined up with the word. And so the Holy Spirit will not tell you something that is apart from the word. But here's the caveat. You can't judge a word according to the word if you don't know the word. You can't judge a word that you've never heard. And that's why Paul told Timothy, He said, "Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word. you look into it. When you learn it, man. You can't get into error. This is what Paul told the Corinthians. He said, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. According to what is what? Written. Not what is spoken, what is written. I aligned myself and believed what was written, and I said for what is written, not what I feel. You know, this is a great story. This is, this is something I, I wish I would earlier in my life. But here Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he said, For I did not, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you The power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses to his majesty. First, Peter's saying, we just hear some story from someone else. We saw it with our own eyes. We were eyewitnesses. It goes on even more. He says, for we, he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from excellent glory, saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So let's get the whole picture here. Peter's saying this is not a story that has just been relayed to us by others. We were there. We saw it, we heard God speak from heaven to Jesus and say, this is my beloved Son in whom we are well, I am well pleased. You would think that that would not be for Peter, right? I saw it and I heard it. Next verse. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. He's saying what we saw What we heard only confirmed what we already knew through the word. Wow. Wow. Why is that important? Because we tend to value the experience. Experiences can lie. The word of God doesn't change. So he said we saw it, heard it, but those things only confirmed what we already knew through the word. He says, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, knowing first that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying the Holy Spirit inspired this word, And now, when things happen, we look, Does this line up with the Word. Does it confirm what has already been said? Come on, I know this is not rah, rah, rah all the time, but this is important. The Word of God should always be the backboard of which you balance things. I've heard people prophesy some pretty crazy stuff over the years. Just a recent example I was thinking about this morning. There, there was a guy earlier in the year when uh, the government was releasing all the UFO files and stuff like that. He came out and he says, and I prophesy that this summer, so this would be the summer that just passed, the government is going to plan a fake alien invasion. You can hold me to that word. Well, guess what? We're now, we're now in November. We're through the summer. Did that happen? No, no. Did he apologize? No. Do people still follow him? Yes. The word of God will balance everything. Okay, so number one, it always balances against the word. Number two, does it witness to your spirit? When people are speaking, preaching, prophesying, giving a word, whatever you want to call it, listen. What is the Holy Spirit doing? How is he interacting with you? Because Romans 8.16 says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the of God. He confirms with on the inside of us. And in the same way Paul was like, well, it seemed good for us to go this way. Or it didn't seem good to go this way. The same way the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, on the inside of you will go, yep, this is right. Or nope, it is not. And we need to learn not to violate that. If you're feeling like it's not right, don't do it. Don't believe it. Foster an attitude of obedience where it's just like, that's not right. I don't know why. You don't always have to have all the answers, right? I don't know why. Let's go a different direction and I'm sure we'll find out. You know, Pastor Wendy was reminding us some stories a few weeks ago of just how God had, had moved in, their, in her and Pastor Robin's life. And one of them was you guys had borrowed a brand new car from a friend, and they were off on a trip. And as they were, were going down the road, all of a sudden the car just stopped dead. And they pulled over, and they were working under the hood, like no reason why this car should stop. And as they continued to work, it took you, what, like 20 minutes or something like that? Finally, they didn't change anything, but the car just started right up. They got on the road and headed down, and as they got 20 minutes down the road, there was a huge accident, and there was cars everywhere, and God was protecting them from that moment. You don't always have to understand why this doesn't feel right in the moment. Why aren't things coming together in the moment? The Holy Spirit can be keeping you from things. And so we always listen on the inside. Does this feel right or does this feel wrong? The Holy Spirit will never steer you wrong. So number one, one, we always balance it against the word. Number two, what is the Spirit saying on the inside of you? Number three, does it pass the test of counsel from spiritual leaders in your life? And this is an area that I see is severely lacking in the body of Christ. Have you gone to someone that you trust spiritually, whether it be your pastor or another person who is established as someone who is spiritual and runs the things of God, and have you said, here's what I'm feeling, and are they feeling the same thing? Because as I've said, we, we can this right? We can say, I feel this because we're wanting this to happen or we're wanting to go in this direction. But what do, what do other people say? You know, we all have blind spots that make it easy to miss God. And we also see through our hopes and our hurts. Sometimes when a word is given to you, you're looking at it through what is hurting right now. That's why it's good to write them down and look at them later with a fresh set of eyes. We also look through our hopes. What do we want to do? What do we want to happen? But what about what, if, what does God want to happen? right so we all have blinds and so it's good to be able to bounce things off of your pastor other leaders and say hey you know i'm feeling that like this god's wanting me to do this what do you think now my, my job is not here is not to tell you what to do my job is to bring you back to the word of god and say well here's what god said or i'll say well have you considered this because sometimes we got the word right but the application wrong right? Come on, we all fail at sometimes. Sometimes we get the word right and the application wrong. And so it's good to t- bounce it off someone who has a little wider perspective, right? We get a little wrapped up in our lives sometimes. You know, we're like, we're so focused on this is what I need, this is what I want, that we're looking at just here. It's good somebody who doesn't care about that, right? And step back and say, well, why don't you look a little right? That's why Paul said, "Let two or three speak and the others judge." It didn't say that the two or three that spoke should judge it said the others should judge." Now here's a great verse in Proverbs chapter 15. It says, "Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. In a multitude of counselors, they are established. It's good just to be able to say, hey, this is what I feel the Holy Spirit is saying, and let somebody else say, are you really sure? Why don't you take another look at that? Why, what, why would God give us brothers and sisters in Christ if they weren't helpful? <laughs> he didn't call us to isolate ourselves. And actually, the Word of God says only a fool isolates himself. Now, what, what stops us from doing number three? We don't want people to judge us. We don't want people to think that we're foolish and immature, but actually, by not doing it, you're foolish and immature. It's better to be corrected by a friend, right? Number four, true word will always lead you toward God and build you up. That's how we know that that word for Robin was not a right word because it produced fear and said, if you miss it, then you're really in for it. That doesn't draw someone to God. That makes them fearful of God. Like he's got an attitude problem or something. And it says, He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Now, we don't need to go over that more. We've talked a lot about that in the last two weeks. Number five, realize that divine timing is involved with divine promises. This is huge. This is huge. What do you mean by that, Pastor Jordan? There are now words and there are future words. Man, you can get yourself in a world heard if you treat, start treating a with an now word and you try and force something to happen that wasn't meant to happen until down the road. And it's interesting, you can learn how long it usually takes the Holy Spirit to prepare your heart. For me, sometimes it's eight months to two years ahead of time. He's speaking, st- telling me things, and I can get a little anxious. You're like, oh yeah, let's do it, let's do it, God. And he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just getting you ready. I'm just getting you ready. You know, I I remember when before we had this building, we were back in our old building. We were having a night of prayer, and uh, and at that point, Robin and I were living in my parents' apartment, and we had two kids, and it was just getting cramped. And we're like, we need a new spot, and you know, and uh, God began to speak to my heart in that prayer meeting. He said, "I've got a home for you, and I've got a home for the church." And so, of course, we got home. I'm looking on MLS. I'm like, okay, let's find this house. God's got a house for me. It was eight months later. We looked at probably 100 houses in that eight months. There was some that we tried to buy, and like we, man, that was really having to listen to the inward witness. We signed an or, uh, up to buy this one house, and it was just like, it's not right. It's not right house for us. But we were trying to make it fit. We were making all these excuses. And finally, like, we called our realtor, and we're like, we have to back out. Oh, man, she was so mad but I'm so glad we didn't do it. And then when the house that he was talking about came up eight months later, Robin said, well, let's go look at it. And at that point, I was kind of mad from the last situation. And I said, I don't want to see it. It's too small. I don't like the colors. The backyard's this and yeah, all this. And she's like, let's just go see it. Thank God for a good wife that (laughs) listens better than me sometimes. And so we went... (laughs) As soon as we stepped through the door, I was like, this is what he was talking about. Wasn't everything I thought? No, but it was the right step at the time. We could have really screwed things up by doing it earlier. So we don't try to make a future word a now word. This is great. This is what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. This is interesting. So the prophets prophesied and then they stopped and they searched for how to apply it and what time it was for. If the prophets of old thought that it was a good idea, we should do the same thing. Hold your horses. Don't run until it's time to run. Say, God, what, what does that mean for me and when? Very important, because Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the smartest man who ever lived, said this, to every purpose there is time and there is judgment. Meaning some things need to be thought about and waiting until the right time. Okay, number six, most words are conditional. Now we're talking about words of wisdom here. When, the, when someone says to you or you're feeling like this is what God has me for, for the future, words are conditional. What do I mean by that? Meaning if you don't do what said, it don't come to pass. It's funny that sometimes we listen with bad English. We don't do what we're told, it don't come to pass. True words are a divine invitation into your kingdom potential, but they're not automatic. In 1 Kings chapter 17, it says, The word of the Lord to him, him being Elijah. And the word of the Lord said this, Get away from here, turn eastward, and hide in by the Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and as I have commanded the ravens there to feed you. Verse 5. So went and did according to the word of the Lord different that story could have been when it said Elijah stayed where he was and starved to death <laughs> nobody wants to read that story right but it was conditional based upon location and action God wasn't going to bless him in Bethel wasn't going to bless him in Jerusalem wasn't going to bless him in any of the other towns they had he said brook Cherith by the brook that's where you need to be And that's what we mean when words are conditional. When he tells you to do something, you got to do it. Then we don't blame him. Why did it happen, God? And he says, because you just sat on your butt and did nothing. (laughs) Come on, we're just speaking real plain today, right? No reason to mince words with this. God gets blamed for a lot of dumb things because we chose not to do what he asked. And we try to get places where he never told us to go. to Work jobs he never told us to work. Marry people he never told us to marry. Come on, that can be a hard one. I remember in our first year, uh, my first year at, in seminary, the dean got up and, you know, they call most Bible schools bridal schools because so many people get married during them. And he said, I just want you guys all to know that it's really hard to hear the voice of God when your emotions are wrapped up in things. He's like, and so get some space before you say one. Give yourself some distance and say, am I just acting on emotions and stupidity here? There's, there's different areas of our lives that it's very hard to be led by the spirit of God in because we're too involved in them. Right. Okay, number 7. A word never stands alone. If there's a word that's given to you that seems to change the entire ter- trajectory of your life, and nothing else has been pointing you in that direction up until that's caused a pause. Because the Holy Spirit is not just going to speak some random word. We know in part and we prophesy in part. Just like we talked about words of wisdom and words of knowledge are words and not books. You don't always see the whole picture. In one word. Most words are focused on a destination or a goal, but there is a process to be worked out. So we can get excited about where we're going, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be bumps along the way. And we often get mad and we're like, oh God, why is this happening to me? The word was so good and you told me, you know, this is what was going to happen. And he's just saying, keep walking, keep moving. He also said, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, he says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. He'll speak to you usually more than once. He'll prepare you long before the decision. And if we're going to talk about two or three witnesses, how about the written word, the inward witness, and godly counsel? That's good confirmation. If a word is changing the trajectory of your life, you should take time to invest Okay, you got room for one more? Number eight. This is less of a, uh, um, of a how to judge prophecy and more to do with once you've judged it true. Hold fast to the words that have been true, proven true. How many prophecies have been spoken and the person went, oh, that's so and forgot about them a week later? Come on. He said, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good. If God has spoken to you, you've said, yes, this is true, lines up with the word, it confirms with your heart, make sure that you do something to keep it before you. This is what Paul told Timothy. He said, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy. This is a charge. These are strong words that he's given to him. He says, according prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may weigh a good or fair.'" Meaning you're going to use these to battle what's ahead. So there's no room for it being forgotten on the floor. You need to keep it before you. When times get rough, you remind yourself where you're going. When it looks like you're never going to get there, you speak faith into the process. And you say, no, God has told me I'm going over. This is the land that I will And you hold on to it because you're going to have to wage a warfare. It's a fight of faith. Isn't that what Paul told Timothy? Fight the good fight of faith. There's things that you're going to have to hold on to. And so what do you do once you've proven that a word is true and is from God? You write it down because your mind forgets things. You might as well esteem it as a word from God. When the men and women of old were spoken to by God, they wrote it down so that you can read it, so that you can remember, so that you can run. Man, I've got a bunch of stack of words that I keep around at my house and in here. Let's go back almost 20 years, but we still speak life. We speak faith into them. We keep them before us. That You don't just let them be forgotten and be like, oh, I'm never going to need that again. Let God do his thing. No, we write it down and we meditate on it. What does it mean to meditate? If God has told you there's something in your future, go ahead and spend some time thinking about you in that future. Take time and use the imagination that God has given you. And think, Man, oh, I can see myself doing it now. I see myself walking out the promise. I see the fulfillment before me see yourself living it out because if God spoke it then God meant it if God said it that means it's true because he doesn't know how to lie to you and if you verified it and judged it properly he wasn't lying to you he wasn't trying to deceive you so go ahead and run with it go ahead and keep it before you and there's good times that are coming up in the body of Christ I want you to remember it is coming don't get bogged down of where you are today because of everything is going on in front of you, get up and come in the race that has been set before you to run. We all have a purpose. We all have a mission. God has given dreams on the inside of us. Maybe it seems a little dark today. That's okay. Stoke the fire. The bigger the fire, the brighter the land. And so we stir it up on the inside of us. Father we thank you for the words that you've spoken to us in the past we thank you for what you've spoken over this church we choose to say we believe you and we walk through it we believe that we are standing in the land that you've given to us and nothing shall push us to the left or to the right there shall be no enemy no darkness no problem that shall arise that we cannot overcome because your word is true and we are going through to possess the land that you have called us to stand in, in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Father, for it. Come on, that's the spirit of prophecy beginning to come up. Come on, he's wanting to stir your heart. He didn't forget about it, you did. That's why he says, put me in remembrance. He doesn't need to remember, but he needs to know that you do. So what has God spoken to you? What has God said to you? What has God breathed dreams over your life? Remember. Remember. Remember and choose to walk in them today. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you.
1: are god-inspired words it's not just something nice to say or something we have to religiously do for the sake of taking up our offering this is actually Saying God so, this is the what i want you to do this is basically what pastor jordan was talking about amen. amen so let's let's do this confession together as we give this is my seed i sow it into the kingdom of god seed do what you do best grow i sow you to spread the gospel I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to God. You just prophesied that. Every time you say it, you're prophesying. Your, Your mouth is the mouth of a prophet speaking things into this this is as you release your faith by speaking words amen and god inspired words as you speak the word of god I, you're speaking god inspired words amen amen glory be to god so you are blessed have a good week we're caring